Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the expert. Hey guys, free land education. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with the United Country Real Estate Sutton Properties along with my co-host, Teresa Martin, who's one of our agents. Hi, Teresa. Good morning. Hello. How are you this morning? I'm great. Hope you are. Oh, boy, we got a great guest for you today. I know. You, I canceled showings just to be here. You did not. I did. Come on. Good for you. Um, along with my co-hosts, buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, just give us a shout. Hey, we'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Our company website is www.allsuttonproperties.com. That's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N properties.com. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. And our national site is www.rliland.com. If you're buying and selling land and uh, you need to go to the experts, if you're having brain surgery, you go to a brain surgeon. If you're selling land, you go to a land expert. So check it out anywhere in the country. We, we are the best of the best in our industry. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land, LandHub is the place to be. Just a program note, Dr. Barbie asked the doctor show will now follow this show and will air at 10 a.m. So make sure you stay tuned. Dr. Barbie always has something of interest. So our guest today is Cheryl Sane. Hey, Cheryl, welcome. Hey, Lou, how are you? I'm doing great, and you actually are here in the studio. Most of our shows are from all over the country, so people call in, and you brought your mom with you today. I did. Your I lovely did. mom. You guys live in the Matthews, North Carolina area? We do. Wow. Did you grow up there? I sure did. Well, you know, I grew up in Charlotte, so... Uh, we were, we're cousins. We're cousins. <laughs> <laughs> we're whatever. We're Charlotteans. <laughs> But uh, it's really grown. I think it was, uh, I left in 74, and I think the population, as I remember, is around 280,000. And they just had finished the, well, several years earlier, but they just finished the uh, bypass around downtown. Uh -huh. And they were laying the steel on the uh, uh, First Citizens building. And the NCNB, the small glass building at the Trade and Trine, had been done maybe a year early. So that was when I left. Uh, and, of course, it's changed a little bit, hasn't it? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. A few more stoplights, a few more roads, a lot, lot more traffic. More traffic. It's a great place. Um, uh, Charlotte's probably one of the nicest towns in, in, in the country. It sure is pretty. It really is. So you were born and raised in, in Waxhaw, which is a suburb now of, uh, of Charlotte, isn't it? It is. And it's grown a lot. Oh, I'm sure. I remember if it had one stoplight when I was growing up, the Pinehurst and Waxhaw and, and all the little, you know, and Monroe. You'd go down to 74 and... And we had some relatives down there, and my dad would always say, you know, someday this is going to be built solid, solid, from one from Charlotte to Monroe, mm -hmm. and I'm sure it is They've now. They've got a nice bypass around Monroe now. Do they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They sure do. But um, but uh, you were kind of a tomboy. You got a brother, right? I do. Younger brother, I so do. you guys picked on each other, I'm yes. sure. I've your, shot him many times with a BB gun. Your mom can confirm <laughs> that. <laughs> But, but you had a little girly streak. I do. You love horses? You still have them? Or you... No, I used to show. We had five at one time Did when you really? I was younger. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my daughter rode when she was young. And you love guns and you love animals and arts and crafts and playing in the dirt. Yes, yeah, my So favorite. you're a landlady, right? I really am. Good and for you. This is probably where I, I it all started was because uh, we were outside all the time. We sure. lived in the country, and that was our playground. Yeah, sort of like uh, Teresa here. Yeah, i done that. All my toys were in the woods. <laughs> our our swimming pools were the creeks and the ponds. Yeah, yeah. mine too. And the crawl daddies. And the... Oh, yeah. But um, um, you and I, we met. Uh, did you take one of my classes years ago? Yes. I, I was looking back through some of my uh, books and paperwork the other day, and I actually took an RLL class back in 2004. Okay. And uh, my kids were 3, 8, and 10. So it was a little challenging at that time. I bet. But um, they're all grown now and very successful in what they're doing. And you got a couple Eagle Scouts in your family? I do. I'm very proud of my boys. Eagle I'm an Scout. Eagle Scout. My son's an Eagle Scout. That's uh, And this is not, we had the 4-H uh, club on here uh, a couple shows earlier. And uh, Teresa's a 4-H-E. 
Is that what you say? I was a 4-H'er and a Girl oh, Scout. Oh, H-er, not H-E. 4-H-er. H-er. And a Girl Scout for years and years and years. So you, you went to Sun Valley High School. Did you not go to college? You went to the Air Force, right? I did. I've got quite a bit of college from different areas. I've sure. got uh, some from the Air Force when I was in there, of course, and the community colleges and just a, a, a just a mixture of different places. Wherever I was, I would be taking college courses. That's it, what I do. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Finally. <laughs> and you were air traffic controller stationed in Myrtle Beach. That was some terrible duty, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Especially, yeah, when you're a teenager in Myrtle Beach, that's not a good combination. So you got your uniform on the day and your bikini on in the that's, afternoon, that's right? That's right. That's well, what I was going to school for was air traffic control. Really? Yeah. 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 It's a tough job, no <laughs> yeah. doubt. So that's why I decided not to do that. So you were in the Air National Guard. I was in the Army National Guard in Charlotte at the airport. So uh, I was a lieutenant for a day, but we won't get into that story. <laughs> but um, you've got three children, two boys and a girls, and we I mentioned do. one's a Marine Reservist. Thank you for your service, and oh. thank us all for our service. And uh, the other one's an engineer, and your daughter's studying to be uh, in the dental field. She is, so, yes. So uh, we get our teeth cleaned. That is a good cheap price here in the future. Well, she actually wants to be an orthodontist, and it's like eight or nine years of college. Oh, sure. It's sure. a long I told her I didn't want to work that long. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good for her. And then uh, you kind of got into real estate. Tell us about that. Well, how'd you get into real estate? I was um, actually I was pregnant with my daughter and uh, decided I wanted to do something that I loved, which I love people and I love sales. So I went and took the uh, real estate course, and it was rather funny when I took the exam. Um, you know, it's very stressful. Mm -hmm. And I just, when the screen passes up and it says, congratulations, you've passed, I just started, I lost it then. I was just crying and <laughs> I'm carrying my paper to the guy to check, you know, and he's like, are you okay? Are you going into labor? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> I said, I'm just happy I passed. So it was, uh, it was something I really um, should have done earlier. I, I have a natural knack for it and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It was uh, difficult with, um, with three kids going into the residential sales part, hauling my kids around and handing my daughter off to, for people to hold while I'm making copies and stuff like that. So um, started looking at listing land and absolutely fell in love with it. Totally different, isn't it? Totally different. And I just enjoyed it so much that I started um, weaning myself off of residential and going straight into land. I found a mentor who had been doing land for a long time. Who was that? Uh, Sharon Brown. Okay, I know Sharon. And Sharon sure. uh, kind of took me under her wing, and uh, we're still doing deals together today. Sure's, Sharon's yeah. got a lot of good experience. She does. She's been doing it for, gosh, 20-something years yeah. now. And so she's, uh, well, you and she both have probably forgotten more than I'll ever learn. Oh, I don't know if you forget <laughs> it. There's a, lot of, <clears throat> there's a lot of blisters on my feet and a lot of thorns in my legs. So, um, no, and it's, um, it's interesting, Teresa, right, when we go to real estate school, uh, you out there in the public, uh, hate to tell you, but uh, they don't teach anything about land uh, or not enough to uh, hang a nail on. They don't. Uh, they really don't. North Carolina, uh, we have 180 hours of classroom, right, Teresa? Right. And then uh, that gives you what we call a provisional broker designation. So you have to hug the hip of the broker in charge on everything you do mm -hmm. until you complete your three uh, uh 30-hour classes, mm -hmm. and uh, then you become a broker, and you can kind of have your freedom. But what was the slide they put up in one of the classes, Teresa? Land is the most complicated of all transactions. And what did the instructor say about that? When I asked why, she said that she really didn't know. You know, and it's funny that you, you say that. We're talking about that because uh, when I was writing my book, I had called uh, some of the brokers in charge to let them, you know, know that I was – going to be putting this book out and everything and I said you know what are your thoughts about that and they said we tell our brokers they cannot sell land and I said well why would you not let them sell land and they said well one they don't know it and we don't want the liability exactly which was crazy to me yeah. you know well you know that's what I was saying and to our listeners you know that's what this radio show is about is not only help you the public people that own land or people that's interested in investing, and I use the word investing with land because uh, it's a no, you're not buying land, you're investing. Because mm -hmm. it is probably the best investment there is, and I've got hundreds of examples I can show you of why, and this is something we're going to talk about in Cheryl's book today. Yeah, and but, I just uh, want to say all of my instructors were really good teachers. No, yeah, so it wasn't that, you know, when, when she answered – 
and I can't remember exactly how she answered, but I really didn't get an answer, and it's just because they don't teach it. And they I, don't teach it because they don't know. Right. Well, right. it's not that. It's And I've had, because I'm a licensed instructor for the Real Estate Commission, and I've had many conversations, and they just don't have time in their syllabus to get into the what we call the specialties, which is commercial real estate, for mm -hmm. example. Appraisal, you know, the appraisal industry used to be a part of the National Association of Realtors, and they broke away and they had their own um, stuff. But you still have to, if you're an MAI, you still have to have your realtor's license, have to be dual licensed. Mm -hmm. And actually, I Ron Loftus, Loftus Appraisal in Winston, who was uh, one of the instructors for the North Carolina Board of Appraisers, uh, had taken my four-hour class that I've been teaching now for four years. Didn't teach it this year. Uh, but uh, he called me up and said, would you do a class on uh, on land for the appraisers? And I said, I'll be happy to if you'll do the appraisal side of the course. You know, I can't teach the appraisal side. And we wrote one. It's called Rural Land Values. Is it an art or is it a science? And, um, and it and that's the only class that the appraisal in North Carolina have ever had on land. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, as I mentioned uh, before we started the show, I'm the only land instructor in North Carolina. I have the only land class. I'm it for 111,000 real estate agents. <laughs> and if you call any state in the union and say, I'd like to take a continuing education course for credit for my license, we have to have eight hours in North Carolina, 28 in Virginia every two years. Uh, they say, sorry, we don't offer one. I, I can't find it in the country. And, uh, of course, we got the Realtors Land Institute, who I acknowledge that I'm a member of, and you've taken courses. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we really learn about land uh, is through the uh, 10 courses, two-day, two-and-a-half and, and one-day courses. Uh, so, um, but, so you guys out there, if you want to buy or sell land or farms, uh, make sure you do your homework. Uh, Mary, Mary Lou, that's in your Sunday school class that just got her license, probably not going to be able to help you on a million, million and a half dollar property. Uh, I mean, she'll try, but, you know, they leave a lot of money on the table and, and sometimes we create some problems. So uh, go to the professionals and, you know, and, and seek their advice. Right, Teresa? Right, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> So uh, we want to get started here in a second on your book. Um, one thing that I'd like to mention um, is if you guys, if you're at your computers, um, and if you're not driving, uh, I want you to go to Cheryl's website, which is her name, uh, www.cherylcheryl.sain.com, and she has a lot of stuff on her website about this new book that is just being launched. Uh, just fresh out of the out of the shoot, right? It is. I'm so excited. It just went to uh, to be released on Amazon last month, and um, I'm very very excited. It's a new process for me. I had originally started this project hoping I could develop a class for the residential agent community, and really it was just like crickets. I couldn't get anyone to engage with me. So I thought, well, you know, this wonder is wonder why. Because, because they, they had no know, education. That's right. So it's I thought, well, circle. this is something I'm supposed to do. And so I uh, I tackled it. it. took me two and a half years. And I think I've come up with something pretty pretty good. Sure. So. But I, I wrote one myself. I never published it. But I was just trying to organize my thoughts and also have something to share with other folks, which I still have it and do share. Um, but uh, uh, if you're on your computer, Google Books on Land. And right now you might find 12 if you're lucky, okay? So there just aren't that many out there. And the other thing that I've done, I haven't done it in years, but um, uh, went to the real estate section at the Barnes & Nobles and the whatever was back then that isn't anymore, and the real estate section, and I would go in the index and I would look for the four-letter word land. I may go through 50 titles and I might find one or maybe two that even reference the four-letter word land in one or maybe two places. That is and true. And that's our real estate industry. That's it's true. all houses. 98% of our real estate agents out there um, uh, sell houses, and that's fine. And our industry is geared to that. But there's other things. There's property management. There's commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. And each one has its uh, own, uh, own things that you need to do. So our guest today... Cheryl saying this is Let's Talk Land, landhub.com, sell your land, 
Land of Your Dreams. So, Cheryl, I'm sitting here looking at your book, 10 Things You Need to Know About Land, and I'm just wondering what inspired you to write it. Well, thank you for asking, Teresa. Um, I had been doing this for almost 20 years now, and I'd usually go out and find land myself. I just approached the landowner, and I'm trying to get up here, Lou. Uh, I just approached the mic. I'm really good at, at, you know, calling on the farmers and uh, talking to people who want to sell their land. But occasionally I run across a piece of property that's listed by an agent, and often it's a residential agent. And when I start asking questions about the property that should be on the listing or they should know, they, they have no clue what I'm asking about or any of the information. And so often I'll spend time educating them on what they need to know about their property and where to find the information. So I've uh, developed a lot of good friendships with residential agents over the years. Uh, they depend on me and call me for, you know, advice or asking me about where I can, you know, help them find information. And so I uh, developed some good friendships that way, but realized that there was no one that was teaching this to them. So um, started working on um, trying to find a uh, residential educator that could develop a class for them, but it was crickets. Everybody I called, I would never get responses back, and I realized that it was because they didn't know either. So I started writing this book. Uh, It took me, like I said earlier, two and a half years, but I reached out to a lot of soil scientists and um, engineers and attorneys and people like that to get their advice on the sections that I had written about, And they gave me some wonderful information to put in the book. And I really, um, my target audience for the book is the residential agent community. But the book itself actually turned out to be a book for anyone. Anyone, um, and I put it on the back of the book. This book is for you if you own land, if you want to buy land, if you want to sell land, if you want to broker land. And another uh, category is if you inherited land. Because often um, people will inherit land and they have no clue what to do with it and they get offers from you know local people or developers or everything and they're thinking oh this is a great offer but they haven't done their research to find out what the true value of the land is so hopefully this book will help really just anyone that's interested in land or owns land even if you own a house that's sitting out on some land you need to know everything about that piece of property what's coming down the pike or the you know the growth path or what the overlay of the municipality has in store for your property in the future so um, hopefully it will be a book to help just anyone that's interested in land and it's a simple book it's only 188 pages so it's not this big technical guide that you're going to you know dread reading it's actually a pretty good read I've got some good stories in there and some examples of things and Little notes of uh, things that I think will be helpful for anyone that's interested. So let's talk about these 10 things you need to know. Um, here's the 10, if I may. Sure, please. So the first thing that you go into is parcel ID number. Mm-hmm. Uh, every piece of real estate, uh, at least in the United States, has a social security number. That's true. That but is it's true. not a social security number, but it's a unique number to that parcel in that particular jurisdiction. That's true. I do cover that. And um, one of the things about is finding that number. If you don't know where to look for that number, you won't know what it is. So there's several ways you can find it. And I cover those in in that chapter. Uh, The GIS is my main source for finding. Great place um, to start. Yeah. And just a little trivial. Do you know how many counties there are in North Carolina? 100. Do you know how many in South Carolina? 70? 46. 46. That's just a little trivial thing on the side. Because I love North and South Carolina, about obviously. Virginia? Don't know that. <laughs> but my point with that is that uh, almost every county has their own GIS system. And if you are working several counties as an agent, you may need to get familiar with uh, several different GIS sites. And they're not all the same. Some uh-huh. of them are similar. And like Charlotte has a great one. Their Polaris 3G is my favorite oh, yeah, ever. It is good. so easy to maneuver through. But some of them, like York County, is a little more difficult for me uh, to maneuver through some of their stuff. So um, you do have to learn several if you're going to work several counties. And that's important to learn the the GIS system. And I do say uh, in the book, if you need to practice, practice on your own address. Or practice on a piece of property you're curious about. Right. And you can get real snoopy. You can find out what, what your, your neighbor, neighbor pays. Yeah. pays <laughs> when they bought it. And, okay. It's true. Sometimes you can find a little divorce stuff, too, if you go to the registered deed. Yeah, that's true. So, but yep. uh, just to caution people, uh, sometimes you'll see more than one number, and they may call it a, a listing number. 
or there's different things. I mean, you know, I do consulting yeah. all over the United mm-hmm. States. So they're not all called parcel ID numbers. Right. Some of them are tax ID numbers. That's or, correct, yes. Okay. So beware of that. But uh, usually it's highlighted and it's very near uh, the, the, the property owner, okay? Yeah, and just to uh, bounce off that for just a moment, um, at, because I only have worked in North and South Carolina, um, I I don't know everything, and I haven't covered everything in this book. And at the back of the book, I have asked people to contact me if there's something that they would like to see in the book that maybe I didn't cover because it's not specific. Volume two is coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please send stories and suggestions on things I may have left out because talking to other agents in different parts of North Carolina, there were things that they asked me was going to be in the book that I didn't know about or even think about. So I'm totally open to uh, any suggestions or really good stories that will help other agents. So let's just go your website. If you're on your computer or iPhone, it's www.cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, Shin, S-H-I-N. Sane. Sane. I'm sorry, Sane. God, I'm getting Just think of insane. <laughs> well, that's me. And you can also get the book on, it's on there now, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Is it, is yes, it that's correct. Mm-hmm. And Warren Press. So those are three places. So now... You know, the next thing that's important is the owner's name and address. So on the tax cards, which are on the GIS, okay, GIS will pull up the tax parcel visual, and then you can do the overlay with the aerial or the topo or the floodplain or the zoning or different things. So it's all there. Uh, but then when you look at the owner's name, you, there's a place on there that says tax card uh, or several other names again. Mm-hmm. But that's where you get into the nitty-gritty of the thing, of the property. Of who owns the property, yeah. But it may not be the address of where the property is. That is correct. And guess what? Does vacant land have an address normally? In Union County, it does not. The county I grew up at, and it does not. In most places mm-hmm. in the United States, it doesn't. And they don't. And the reason that they don't have an address is because there's not a structure on the property property right. typically. So they the counties normally don't assign an address to a property until there's a structure built on the property. And a lot of people don't know that. Driveway permit is what, when you go to get a building permit, mm-hmm. you also go to get a uh, driveway permit and DOT comes out. And depending on the 911 system, it's about every 27, 28 feet is a driveway, which is the next sequential number. So that's when that's assigned. See, I didn't even know that. <laughs> You taught me something there today. It's so much to this, right? Oh my goodness, yes. But it's not. You know, I want to. I want to read a quick quote. Yeah, please. Uh, from my book because give us a little flavor. Okay, so the 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 first, uh, well, not the first quote. The first um, quote that I put in here is: "Don't be intimidated by what you don't know. That can be your greatest strength, and ensure you do things differently from everyone else." And that quote is by Sarah Blakely, the founder and CEO of Spanx. And I thought it was such an appropriate quote for the book because so many people don't know uh, what they don't know. And and I, I say that through the book, you know, a couple of times is that we, you don't really know what you don't know. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish with this book is teach you what you need to know. The other unique thing is guess where we prospect. This is what I teach in my classes. You need listings. Go to GIS. GIS. Mm-hmm. Look for absentee owners. How many letters you send out a week, Teresa? Or uh, as many as I can. <laughs> yeah. You know, just letting them know if they were willing to say it. Because a lot of these things, it's the states. Sure. And, uh, you know, that we're there. And I've had people call me two years later that kept my letter on their refrigerator or my car. Yes, and, I have to. say I wasn't ready yet, but not... You know, you were so kind. It looks like you know what you're doing. That's right. I'm ready to well, list my land. Not only that, if it's a, um, I do cover in the book if it's an entity or a business, mm-hmm. because a lot of people won't know how to find that. And LLCs. I teach them how to do that. Right. Yeah, through the Secretary of State in your right. state, how to look mm-hmm. that up. So you're very thorough on this. You've done a great job, Thank girl. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. So the next thing we're talking about is discovering land conditions. What does that mean? Well, um, obviously, when you look at a piece of property, if it's if it's a wooded piece of property, you can't see through the woods from the road what's going on. There could be a pond, there could be a creek, there could be a cliff. Uh, you don't know. There could be floodplain. So you want to discover as much as you can about the property. You look and find everything that you can on the GIS about it. 
And then you're going to start looking for surveys, old surveys. Um, I talk to neighbors. I, if, you know, I certainly talk to the owners and get as much information as I possibly can. But it's basically just discovering as much about the property as, as you can. If there's any old soil testing that's been done on the property from a previous uh purchaser that maybe you know terminated or whatever but it's basically about discovering everything you can about the property what's what's coming down the pike what the zoning is um you know what the density could be if it's a residential property is it a business zoning what is the overlay for the municipality have in the future plans for the property you could look at a property and think that hey this is a great place for a residential community but you go look on the county's layout and their future plan zone and they may want commercial coming down that way and so that would be more valuable so it's really discovering the land conditions is what kind of condition is the land in and what potential does the land have one of the things that i teach in my classes is um, every county if you everybody every county has laws Uh, if you the example i use if you want to play the monopoly game you never played it before you go to the store and you buy the monopoly game you bring it home put it on the table what's the first thing you do well you should read the instructions no you open up the box well that's true that's true <laughs> then you read the instructions he always gets me on that one he always you got gets me, Lou. me on that you got one. me so and, and, uh, people should go to the county website and put in subdivision ordinance absolutely because that is the rules you know, highest and best use mm-hmm. is the key to all value of land. In fact, that's the key uh, mechanism in a land appraisal. And uh, and see how many lots you can have, the size, right. the setbacks, paving roads, not paving roads, uh, plat surveys, what's requirements, the step procedures. So uh, yeah. that's the rules of playing the game. Right. And, and just to touch on that a little bit more, the municipal- municipalities, they each have their own um, – guidelines for that and, and zoning and zoning which yeah we'll get into in exactly second. and just because uh, an r40 might be a 40,000 square foot lot in one municipality that may mean something totally different in another one so you have to learn each municipality or county's um, rules and regulations right. so subdivision ordinances right mm-hmm. and the other thing i'd like to interject is people are always calling me because the mls says no restrictions that is the covenants that it's speaking of. So that doesn't mean you can do anything because you still have to look at zoning. Absolutely. And see Great what point. zoning is because I have people all the time calling, Two there's no restrictions. I can do whatever I want. I said, well, that's yes true no. to a degree. <laughs> but if the county says that you can't do something, the zoning is very important. So that's the first thing we do. Absolutely. talk about zoning. Great point. Like hog farms. There's been a moratorium for probably 15 years. No more hog farms. But uh, you know, but it's still zoned rural ag, uh, yep. which means you can have other critters, but not uh, not hogs. And whoever's rule is more stringent is the one that rules. <laughs> it's the <laughs> golden true. rule. He That's true. The gold makes the rule, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, owner's name and address, and then it's discovering the conditions. And of course, you've got your topo maps, topography uh, overlays on that, and there are different scales. Uh, so you may have a five foot, 10 foot, 20 foot, hundred foot, depending on the site. And what that means is the closer the lines are, the steeper it is, the wider the lines are, the flatter it that's is. That's right. I actually have a diagram. Yeah. In the you book did a great that. job of that. Thanks. Thanks. So, uh, you know, that's some people don't say, God, it just looks like a spider web. I don't know what it is. And uh, I remember the first time I uh, asked an agent, uh, what, what was the topography of the land like that they were listing and they're like, what does that mean? And yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. you should kind of know that. <laughs> or Tupo. Yeah, yeah, Tupo. What's a Tupo? But, um, you know, I've, I've developed over 60 rural subdivisions over the years. And, you know, and I do consulting all over the country. And, you know, one of the methodologies is getting the, um, the, the uh, aerial map, the topography map, the water sources, and also floodplain if it's, if it's uh, appropriate. And um, and you can sit there and you can see where driveways should go. You can see where building mm-hmm. sites are. Uh, definitely, when you subdivide, I talked about doing estate planning. Uh, you know, for for people that buy land from me, you know, that's important too to use that uh, topo map. It's probably the most important thing. It is, yeah. And evaluating this the difference between usable land and unusable accessibility, land. building mm-hmm. sites, a lot of different things. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's uh, very very important. 
Well, let, let me say real quick, it's I am very honored that you had me come on here well, today, and I'll save that to you. the end. But this is this is great for me to to sit here and go back and Isn't forth with someone who's so so into it like I am, and we can talk turkey, and we know mm-hmm. exactly what we're talking about. Our guest today, Cheryl Sane. This is Let's Talk Land, LandHub.com. Looking to sell your land? Try LandHub.com. Covered a lot of interesting stuff so far, and now we're down to parcel deeds. What is a parcel deed, and what is in it? Well, and and that's a great question. I'm not going to get into a lot of detail about the deeds, except that the fact that you really should have it looked at you know, by an attorney. Um, we had a situation one time where, uh, not too long ago, actually, where we had, uh, we were working with a seller that we came into the middle of it. They had uh, four lots. They were in the process of subdividing them into seven. And so we went ahead and brought them a, a custom builder, local custom builder for the seven lots. They went under contract. Well, during the uh, due diligence, the attorney found that there were some um, covenants and restrictions and things that that were in the deed that for some reason the seller of the property had not addressed. And they were 25 years old that, um, the community had put these deed restrictions on the property. And so the sellers at that point had to try to get these deed restrictions removed so that they could subdivide those lots from four lots to seven. And uh, they could not get everyone to agree in the community. It has to be 100%. Yeah, it has to be 100%. So they could not get everyone to agree. There were some uh, absentee owners, and they just would not respond. And this went on for like eight or nine months. And finally, the builder walked away from it. And the seller uh, had to end up reverting them back to four lots, and they had spent a lot of money, you know, getting the approvals, doing all the surveys, subdividing and everything. And they spent a lot of money. And had they done their research initially uh, and had an attorney look the deed over very carefully, it could have saved them a lot of trouble and mm-hmm. headaches. So uh, basically, uh, don't go into a lot of detail on the deeds other than the most common deeds and, and things you need to look out for, because that's really for an attorney. And we just can't give legal advice. But right. I just want to make people aware of don't just assume things are, you know, the way you want them to be. Make sure you research it or get a legal attorney involved to research that before you you know, spend money. Right. So. Well, some of the things that I'd like to bring to the table uh, is that um, I encourage my students to learn how to do title searches. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know how to do it, you do a lot of business with an attorney, and they're always doing title searches. So uh, used to, you'd meet them over at the courthouse. Of course, everything's online. But, you know, take them to lunch and say, you know, how about let teach me just the basics. I don't want to be an expert at it, but I want to be able to do my own. And most of your sites now, uh, if you're talking about GIS, you also have a register of deed site, which will be mm-hmm. on the county site. All these are on the county site. You start there and go to the branches. And you can pull up the deeds. And you can pull up the deeds. Yeah. Okay. And read through them. And I suggest every agent, if you can get a hold of a deed, whether it's the seller give it to mm-hmm. you or, or whoever, uh, or look it up online, at least read through it and right. start becoming familiar with the terminology because it is different terminology. Whether oh, yeah. Whether you're listing... Or working for the seller or are you working for, for the, the buyer? buyer? That's correct. Because you can't depend on the other agent because there's no land education out there. Uh, and it's not their fault, okay? And the other thing that I cue people to is see if you can get a copy of the title policy. Uh, yeah, of the last that's transaction. Great. Yeah, great point. Because uh, there will be exceptions, especially in rural areas, but not, not necessarily. But uh, there may be an old farm road that's been there. It's a cartway. It's been there for 200 years uh, that's uh, maybe showing on an old survey and or, or uh, just an old private road that was 200 acres owned by one family and it was distributed to the heirs and then distributed to other people and then they sold to other people. But that old road, even though it's not physically there, was showing on an old survey. So a title company may accept any, ex, make an exception to any liability of issues like that. Okay. So between the uh, doing a little title work on the deeds and getting a copy of the title, how do you get that? Uh, the last attorney that did the transfer probably uh, – we, we encourage everyone to get title insurance because it's the cheapest insurance you can get to protect the most valuable thing you're going to invest in. Yeah, Usually about a $2 a thousand. Uh, if you contact them, they'll give you the title company, and then you can contact the co- title company with the owner's information or deed book or something, and they can run it down and get you a copy. So do you have to request the title insurance for, if it's a cash deal? I know the Doesn't bank requires it. it 
But if it's a cash deal, do you have to request the title insurance, or is it automatically something an attorney Mm -hmm. does? You have to request it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that should lead us into the next. um, And actually, just uh, uh, you, just so you know what we're doing, we're kind of going down the list of ten things you need to know in the book, and we're on number five now, which is surveys. And this is probably my favorite chapter, and it's the longest chapter in the book. Um, Teresa, do you have any questions on that, or do you want me just get right into it? <laughs> just get right into it. I'm going through some things with surveys right now myself. Well, I'm gonna. Um, I'll start with one of the stories that's in my book, and it's it's one of my favorite stories, and it happened early on in my career where um, my uh, the lady who was keeping my daughter um, at the time wanted to sell a lot that she and her husband had purchased a few years before. And I was new in real estate because I'm excited. You know, I'm doing this land thing and I'm just so excited. So I'm like, sure, I'll take the listing. I probably know someone I can sell it to. And so I got the listing and sure enough, called up one builder that I knew in the area. And he's like, I'll take that lot all day long. It was a great lot. It was end of the at the end of a cul-de-sac in this old established neighborhood. All the trees were, you know, grown. Okay. All the houses were different. It was just a beautiful neighborhood. And all the houses were on uh, one to like four or five acres. So, and this one happened to be about two acres and it was at the very end of a cul-de-sac down a hill. And so, um, he, she gave me all the information she had, which she had gotten a survey from the previous seller. So she did not pay to have a new survey done when she purchased the lot. And so I just, I said, may I give this to the builder? And she said, sure. So he puts the property under contract. He um, he goes down to the courthouse to do his research. So I get a phone call, and he says, Cheryl, what are you trying to pull on me here? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, this survey down at the courthouse that's registered compared to the one you gave me says that there's a, a debris burial pit in the middle of this lot. And I was like, oh, what? And back in the old days, because this was a very old neighborhood, the developers at the time, and it was it was all legit, they would uh, dig a big hole in one of the lots, and they would take all the stumps and limbs and stuff, and they would just bury them mm-hmm. and cover them up with dirt. And so um, evidently whoever had sold her the lot, her and her husband the lot, had marked out or highlighted or erased where it said burial, you know, debris burial pit on this survey. So he had to have uh, someone come out and do borings uh, with this big machine and they bore way down in the dirt to see where the burial pit actually was. And uh, and the funny thing was she went out there and she prayed over that lot every day when they were out there <laughs> doing those borings. And sure enough, they didn't find anything. But the soils were uh, a lot of bull tallow, and that's another thing I go into in the soils chapter. If you don't know what that is, this will explain that, too. But um, he ended up finding enough good soils on the property to build a home, a really nice home. But my point with that story was that I don't care if it was a survey done last week. You get your own survey with your own guy because you don't know what it's going to uncover. And well, go yeah, ahead. People ask me that all the time. Well, shouldn't the seller provide the survey? You don't want them to. Okay. I would want my buyer to do their own survey and their own use their own surveyor. So even if it's more money, it's a it's a cheap insurance policy in my opinion. And a lot of time, you know, the surveys, uh, some of them might be fifty, hundred years old. That's true. I've seen them drawn on paper bags. Uh, some <laughs> of the old guys. One of my favorite stories is uh, I've done a lot of work for the Governor Stanley, who was. Um, governor of uh, Virginia back in the 50s and grew up in uh, Henry County. And um, I had the privilege of selling his uh, father's farm that was 600 acres at one time, and then the Depression came, and they lost the whole thing. And uh, governor, after they started Stanley Furniture and started to acquire some money, he started assembling back, and and it had the original 1810 uh, home on it called the uh, Susan Walker Farm. We have Walkertown in Stokes County. Mm Mm-hmm. It was one of the heirs of that had married one of the Stanleys, his his granddad, actually, and the 1900 home and so on. But um, um, anyway, I was um, looking for uh, uh, some title work because it looked like there was an easement or a road coming into the backside. And there was a big creek that kind of divided the property with only one entrance. And one of the houses, two of the houses were on the other side. 
And the buyer uh, said, you know, if there's a fire or something, you know, how are they going to get in here? If this creek floods, and it's pretty significant, it's a creek, it wasn't a stream. And um, uh, Horse Pasture Creek with a 27-acre lake that uh, oh, engineers wow. had built for water reserve. But anyway, I go in and I start looking for these uh, for these uh, deed descriptions at the courthouse in, in Henry County. And I keep seeing this... Uh, the, the deed reference, there was one because I said it was reassembled, and one of the deeds, it refers to a deed, which refers to a deed, oh, which yeah. refers to a deed, which refers to a deed, and then eventually I'm back to 1900, and there's a deed description. <laughs> and we start looking at it, and it says 282 feet DBH. And I saw it again, so I go and I get the clerk, because you got these big old books, you know, and she comes to me, and I said, ma'am, I said, I keep seeing on um, this deed reference uh, these uh, these distances and with the acronym DBH. What does it stand for? <laughs> she laughed. She said, Mr. George, she said, you won't believe this. She said, we had a surveyor in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and we'll see this on some of his um, surveys and in the deed descriptions because the attorney will take the actual survey and do the meets and calls in a narrative in a clockwise mm -hmm. formation. And I uh, said, so, but what does it stand for? She said, uh, distance by hollowing. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you legally passed this? He said, oh that's gosh. all we've got. And it's historical. So, yes. You know, that's hilarious. And I said, well, is, it, is that wet weather, cold weather, windy weather? Is it big hollows or little hollows? <laughs> uh, is it flat land? Oh, so, my gosh. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind but of you interesting. Know, to that point, if you've never, and I, I recommend any agent, if you've never done research and seen some of these amazingly beautiful oh, yeah. books, they're huge. But Hand just, oh, my gosh, you could just stay in there for hours. And, it's work and, of art. And it, it really, it truly is. And do yourself a favor. Just just go and spend an afternoon looking through some of these, these amazing old surveys. But to your point, um, another thing I wanted to point out, you were talking about a creek on mm -hmm. um, this property. One of the things that people don't realize is a lot of the surveys are done to the center of a creek or water source or water source. And um, if you if this if the center of the the water source is dividing two parcels and one is owned by one person and one is owned by the other. And these are very, very old surveys. If they haven't sold this property or had it resurveyed over the years, what people don't realize is that if you have a lot of floods and things like that, it could change oh, the yeah. center of, of the, the oh, creek yeah. or the water source to where you either have less property mm -hmm. or you may have more property. Right. And that's another thing that I cover in the book for people to be aware of. People don't even think about that. Also, how about is the property deeded to the center of the road? Or to oh, the yeah. edge of the road. Oh, yeah. I sold uh, the Dalton farm here with 700-some acres, and we broke it up. And I sold a farmer, like 180 of it, with over three miles of road frontage. And if we deeded it to the got down to, you know, the survey, because he was getting a new survey to cut it out, and there was over um, um, uh, three acres of road frontage that the farmer couldn't farm. Oh, gosh. So fortunately, the Daltons had owned the property on the other side of the road, so they agreed to have it to the, you know, to the, uh, to the, to the right-of-way lines, mm -hmm. and uh, that's how we got the deal done. There's all I tell you, land is a little four-letter word. I don't care what anybody says, but I'll be doggone it is complicated. And you have to think outside so the box issues. with it. And there's, I've been doing it for years, and you have too. There's still stuff today. Last week, it's something you've never even thought of. Will come up and it's uh, and it's this true. One is special. Oh, I have something coming up. I like find the strangest things. <laughs> so, Teresa, not again. What is this? Well, I dig around. She's a and, make and that's sure what makes you a good agent. That, and that's what Lou taught me was to see what all you can find out so that if there's any questions that come up, that you can be prepared right we're, we're forensic scientists and you have to think outside of the box i right. have a, a business partner we do a lot of uh, land deals together it's a another lady that has been my mentor we mentioned her earlier and she is uh there's when i can't figure out something i'll bring it to her and she'll go oh yeah because she's already dealt with something right. similar to that before so don't be afraid to talk to other people and get their opinions and ideas on stuff because they may have been through something you haven't so can you tell me what is a short answer for <laughs> If someone comes to me and says, why don't I want the seller, the seller survey, 
why as a buyer do I need to do the survey? Because you don't know how accurate that is. The the land could have changed just like we just spoke of. Surveying up. methods. Okay. Yeah, yeah, surveying methods definitely because um they used to use chains and things back in the Bowls. old days. Right. Yeah. And you don't know where the property corner lines are. You want to make sure that everything is just like you think it's gonna be. Okay. because uh, people move property um oh, yeah. corners and stuff. Oh yeah. And so you want to make sure that what right. they're getting is what they're paying for. Right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. What is density? I see parcel zoning and density. What is it talking about? Number six. Okay. Um, and we had touched on that a little bit earlier, but like every, every parcel has a zoning and it's put on by the municipality or the, or the county. Mm-hmm. And um, within that, if you just, if, if it's a density, it could be for residential typically. You, the density could be from one house to, you know, a multifamily apartment site or whatever. So density is the amount of units that you can put on a one-acre oh, parcel. Okay. So it could be, you know, could be up to 20 or 30 or 40. It depends on where it is and, and what the municipality allows. And you can go in for a rezoning as well. Like right. if you have a piece of property, but you want to rezone it, say they only allow one house per acre, but you know that's in the path of growth and it's in their overlay to be a higher density property, you can go in for what's called a rezoning and have that zoning change. But that so requires that a public hearing, which usually, one, you know, so it's, yeah, and it it's takes not time. that easy. No, it takes time. Well, that's what too. I was going to say. That's why commercial real estate, you know, usually sometimes it may take two or three years Absolutely. to consummate a, con- a, you know, that in the rural area it's not. Yes. So if you have a buyer that is interested in a piece of property and mm-hmm. you know that it's close to other land that is zone commercial and it's on a main highway uh-huh. and you know it could possibly potentially be that but it's currently RA, zoned RA. Mm-hmm. Residential. Who needs to do the rezoning? Because this, the owner has to, don't they? Because <laughs> the buyer, can the buyer even do that? The owner has to approve it to oh, go through the rezoning. But okay. the buyer has to go through the process and pay for it. It's called a, either uh, a due diligence time period or an investigation period or okay, you know, that sort of great. thing. So it, and, and for you who don't understand the amount of time it takes and why is because um, this process takes a long time going through um, the changing of something. It has it takes several months to change the rezoning on something. Sometimes years, years. like you said, depending on what it is. And, and depending on what the community is, uh, if they're okay with it or not, because they have an input as well. Okay. All right, next is soils. Why are soils important? There are there are so many different soils and it is important to know what type of soil soil that you have on your property to be able to do what you want to do. Um, if you don't have good soils, you may not be able to put a structure on the property. Or you may not be able to use it for what your intended purposes are. It may just be good for farmland or field or whatever you don't even know but you've got to know what the soils are depending on what the intended use is going to be so how do you find that out you hire a soil scientist joe hinton (laughs) it's our soil scientist all right i guess that's it for soil no other questions okay water and soil or sewer or well and septic locations all right and and do you know the difference between these Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm in the country. <laughs> so so most of us who were born and raised in the country, which is, I guess, all of us in this room, we, we grew up on whales and uh, septic systems. And I still have one today. My parents still have one. And my brother, all of us do. That's just what we were raised on. You have to have a septic system and you have to have a whale. So in the cities, it's, it's called a... Um, um, uh, water and sewer and the sewer is brought to the property from the municipalities or the county and they distribute your waste to a facility in the country um, a septic system is in the ground on your property along with the well and the water is brought to uh to the property as well through a municipality or the county so you do have community systems sometimes in oh that's yeah true. We run that into is community true a lot too. that's privately owned like mm-hmm. heater in Raleigh, that's uh, mm-hmm. one of the largest uh, well water and uh, septic, uh, uh, you know, where the community actually, it's uh, tenants in common. They own that system, but it's managed by a private company, but following the state. Guidelines. Great point. Great yeah. point. Uh, but, um, you know, I've done over a thousand perk tests, and in our area, I've only had two fail. So, 
you know, if you got a big track of land, you're going to find something that's going to perk and and uh, usually, yeah, usually yeah. it's where you have the smaller <laughs> lots. Yeah. So, but you know, but the other thing too is um, infrastructure. Uh, people don't realize this, but why, you know, some counties in their ETJ, extraterritorial jurisdiction, they'll provide water, but they won't provide sewer. Yes, I've heard of that. Because usually sewer costs about 80 to 90% of your total utilities. Water goes up and downhill pretty easy, mm-hmm. but a fluid doesn't. So when you got hills and hollows, a lot of topography between here and there, yeah, you have to have lift stations. Yep. And these lift stations can be one hundred and fifty to three hundred fifty thousand dollars and or more. more. Yeah. So you know if you don't have the rooftops and the income tax base, you know like in Pilot Mountain, we can run water to certain areas, but we can't do the sewer because we don't have enough income. Even if we annex that area, okay. So that's where sometimes these community systems might take an area over. Uh, yeah, and also, too, you may uh, buy a piece of property you're wanting to build uh, your home, your dream home on. You've got to see if the soils will perk, and I, I cover that a lot in this in this book as well. And a lot of people don't understand what that is, but that's uh, – are the soils going suitable. to absorb right. the, the, the distribution of that? Yeah, yeah the affluent water. And uh, where I grow up, there's we have a lot of problem soils. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. our county, we have to have not only uh, enough – room to do the initial septic field we have to have a repair field that is exactly the same size so if right. you were wanting a four or five bedroom it doesn't house, have to be contiguous as, as long as it's on the property that's right and within your property boundaries so yeah it's very but we recommend i i don't sell property land vacant land without one of three things either they go ahead and do a perk permit with mm-hmm. the county mm-hmm. for a site specific because that's what that's for uh, some of the counties, our counties here, will do a preliminary without the uh, final layout. Okay, it's called a mm-hmm. preliminary, <clears throat> and it's good for five years. And if they don't want to do that because they're not sure on this 20 acres of land where they want to build their home because there's multiple sites or how many homes, their plans are for 10 years from now when they retire. They won't go ahead and get the land now and enjoy it. Right. So we'll get them to uh, get the soil scientists to come in. The soil scientists can come in and probe the soils write a report of the different areas more than one site put their seal on it we know the soil that's an insurance policy so the point is do not ever write a land contract or sign a land contract without subject to either that number two with the soil scientists and number three have an attorney write a whole harmless letter that's holding every one party to the transaction that the buyer has been informed that they should some have some type of soil analysis and they've refused to and therefore, they're holding harmless all parties. That's a good point. That's the only way I sell land. I'm sorry. Good point. I don't like liability. So what if you have a client that is several states away and they're not coming in? How can they hold you responsible if your land don't park? They signed the affidavit that I told you about the attorney. Okay. All right. Well, I'm getting ready to do that, so oh. I just wanted to double check. Moisture <laughs> <laughs> has one. Okay, so the attorney has to have that. That's something the attorney. Write, you can't write. Well, I know I can't write law, but I'm I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an attorney. <laughs> but uh, so sometimes we feel like we should be. <laughs> yeah. So MLS doesn't or zip forms. None of that is okay. I'm on Mm-mm. the commercial forms committee. We, okay. We've talked about this too much liability on that one. All right. Okay. Well, I guess we'll move on to restrictions, community restrictions, HOAs, the dreaded HOAs, and covenants and restrictions. What what can you tell us about that? Well, I put this in here because um, a lot of people will go into a neighborhood that they think they want to live in, and they move forward with contracts and that sort of things, and they don't read the HOAs or the CCRs, and then they move in and realize, "Uh uh-oh, you mean I can't park my boat Mm -hmm. in my driveway? Mm -hmm. And, And that... That is uh, all too often uh, uh, really a bad thing for the buyers. And so I wanted to cover this section just to make sure and just to remind people how important it is to read over and study the the HOAs and the CCRs because you can miss so much without those papers, you know. And that's one of the first things I ask for if I'm helping someone out Um, because I still do a few houses here and there here and there because I've been doing it for so long and that's one of the first things that I ask for Um, and I give them a copy I say you read through this and make sure that this is going to meet your needs and um, 
part of the part of the package that I provide and I teach my students on the listing side, or on the uh, buyer side for the buyer's agent, is that you you make a package together and if it has covenants, that's the first thing before we even go see the property. Why you want you know you get out there and you waste your time. You drove an hour, mm-hmm. and uh, what do you mean I can't do this? That's upfront stuff. Yeah. And if they make an offer, I always have them sign a copy of those covenants or, or, or That's a great idea. Saying that we have the language we have read and approved these covenants signed and dated. That's a great idea. Because what happens is if not you go to closing and one of the first things the attorney says is uh, Mr. Miss Jones, by the way, you know there's some covenants on this property. Are you aware of them and have you uh, been are you aware of them and have you read them? Oh yes, I see in the file you've already signed that you've read and approved them. So that's important. So it's all time saving. You learn. You get mm-hmm. okay. 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 So with that said, is it the agent's responsibility if the client's not aware of them, and if it is, how do we find that out? I would I would say so. If you're representing someone, I would say it's your Doesn't responsibility to find out. What if it they tell you that they there aren't any, and then you find how do you find out if there are? They or not? should they should be recorded. At the courthouse. When you okay. do your title and you see the yes. deed, it will reference a deed book and page for the covenants. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I think the last thing we're going to talk about is the importance of land locations. What are you thinking about with that chapter? Yeah, I titled this chapter uh, Land Locations Last But Not Least, and uh, mainly because there's so many things you have to take into consideration when you're looking at a piece of property, as we've discussed many of them today, um, you know, and I'm just going to go down the list for a few things, but you want to find out if there's a future road improvements coming. Are they going to widen the road? Are they planning on a highway from this two lane? Is there a future plan for a highway? Because you know, it's a busy road. Uh, we're experiencing that where I live right now. Um, you know, how close are the schools? What are the school rankings? Um, hospitals, locations, fire stations, shopping, you know, the water and sewer locations. Um, there's just so many things to take into consideration that I cover in the book that people may or may not think about. And you really, it's it's specific to the client themselves because if, if you've got someone that travels a lot, they may want to live near an airport or near highways that they can access the airport back and mm-hmm. forth. If you've got someone who's retiring, they may not want to be near a school, um, but they want to be near hospitals, that sort of thing. So there's just a lot to take into consideration when you are um, looking for land for someone specifically. And another, right after that, I go into new observations about land. And it's because um, I want I want people to look at land differently Um when you see a vacant piece of land and you're riding along, look for zoning signs, look for what the potential is for that land. So I want you, I really want to create, you know, start looking at land differently than just driving by it and not really paying attention. Bill Gallagher, who's one of our famous instructors, who's uh, we all know if we're in the North Carolina, says Cheryl Sain's book is absolutely required reading for all investors, real estate brokers, in my opinion. My hope is you will enjoy, learn and refer to her book in many ways to come to your personal and professional purchasing and selling of land of commercial and a residential property. As a real estate broker myself, a broker in charge, an educator, school director, and owner of 36 years, I believe Cheryl's book and concepts taught in the classroom or online would be a phenomenon for students. What a great acknowledgement. Well, thank you. So how do they get in touch with you? Well, you are welcome to go to my website, www.cherylsane.com, and that's C-H-E-R-Y-L-S-A-I-N.com. You can order my book through Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, or Warren Publishing. And um, again, I wanted to mention that if um, if you get my book and you read it and you really like it, please don't hesitate to send me stories or uh, any suggestions on things that I might want to add to the future um, update on this book. Perfect. Your phone number? 704-309-5067. Your email? C-H-E-R-Y-L at gmail.com. I'm I'm sorry, Cheryl Sain, C-H-E-R-Y-L-S-A-I-N at (laughs) gmail.com. Perfect. What a great guest. Hey, thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we would appreciate them. All questions are welcomed, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. This show is for the public and, most importantly, for real estate agents who do not have a source 
of Land Education. All shows are downloaded after the show today on our master website, www.letstalkland.net. That's letstalkland.net. Also, you'll find us on Spotify and Podbean. Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can call me at 336-209-2937 or email me at Teresa, T-E-R-E-S-A dot mylandpro at gmail.com. And my email is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. My cell phone number is 336-669-1405. Rodney, how do they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website. Go to WKTE1090.com, and also they can download the simple radio app. How simple is it? It's very simple. Just go to the even website. Teresa did it. Even Teresa <laughs> I mean, did it. I mean, she did it on her own. I can do it. Yeah, anybody. she can do it. Anybody can wow. do it. We may have to give her a raise. Yeah. <laughs> and we play only what, Teresa? Happy music. That's oh, right. you want to be happy? You've listened yes. to the station, right, Cheryl? I have, I have. And and I gotta say, I have enjoyed this so much. You guys are great to do interviews with. It was a pleasure meeting well, you all. You. And I'm honored that y'all had me on here. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you for being here. We've won a few awards. Yeah, five years in a row being the uh, station of the year, only playing happy and beach music. Happy oh, yeah. I love beach, beach music. Yes. <laughs> love me some beach music. And you got a nice award recently. Yeah, last year, the Reader's Choice Award for the Announcer of the Year. Mm, wonder why. No idea. <laughs> you might be in the running this year. <laughs> you do have so. a great voice. Well, thank you. Okay, let's stay tuned for Dr. Barbie. <laughs> 